you are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked, 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 Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am Marcus Mosier, and we have a special show for you today. We are joined by Elliot Harrison, formerly of the NFL Network, a current Hall of Fame voter, and a lifelong Cowboy fan. Elliot, how are you doing today, sir? Well, I'm pretty good. I'm uh, I'm a little disappointed. In the amount of movies that you've seen, I feel like uh, you know, Made in Manhattan is like top of your list, and that's like uh, already already starting with a diss. We're thirty seconds into the show and already dissing uh, the the host. It's all right. It's good skip. I mean, your idea of like great movies are are like the Jason Statham transporter movies, and sure. that bothers sure. me sure. tremendously. Yeah. So, in case you haven't known, uh, Elliot, a little bit of a jokester. Um, we've got a serious, a very serious show though today we're going to be ranking our top three individual cowboy seasons of all time uh and i've got a feeling elliot we're gonna have some disagreements uh and i'm excited to get into it so let's go ahead and do it we're gonna start with number three elliot i will allow you to go first because you are the guest no way who no way host goes first. you want me to go first all right yeah but i'm gonna bounce off right, of you right. and hey we're talking cowboys history here all right, right. So, so cowboys came in 1960 They've played 61 seasons. We're we're doing the full gamut here. We're not just doing since, you know, 1995. Well, that's and, uh, that's funny that you should mention that because I'm going to completely ignore the first 30 years of Dallas Cowboys history. And at number three is <laughs> Deion okay. Sanders – in 1996. Now, Dion had actually a really good season in 1998. He had five yes. interceptions, I believe, that season. Uh, the only reason why I'm not having that season is because he only played 11 games. So the 1996 season, he played all 16 games. He had two interceptions. He was just as dominant as ever. He was still the best cornerback in the league. But the reason why that season for me makes the list is because of what he did on offense. Elliot, that year, he had 36 receptions for 475 yards, also added in a touchdown, averaged over 13 yards per reception, uh, was still impactful on kick uh, punt returns, uh, didn't have a kickoff for certain turn that season, but uh, still, I think, the most dominant player in the NFL. Tell me why I'm wrong to have Dion's 96 season so high. Well, I, it's an interesting choice. It's not one I would have thought of, uh, frankly. Um, 98, he was a weapon, Marcus. I mean, he took a punt back against Ray Rhodes Eagles mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football that year for a touchdown. I think he took an interception back against the Giants, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. That was a Monday Night also, game. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was still a very good cover corner in 98. 99, he was not as good. Uh, he had a problem with his toe. He went to Washington in 2000. You know that story. Yep. yep. 
I think that the the issue in '96, the, you know, the Cowboys beat Minnesota in the wild card, and then they played Carolina in the divisional playoff. And Michael Irvin hurts his shoulder on the the first. I want to say the first offensive play of the game. And he's he's out, you know, and the Cowboys are going for four out of five here. So Dion played both ways that game. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, their receivers were Kelvin Martin and Dion Sanders. Uh, I think Kevin Williams was out. Uh, like I said, Michael Irvin was out. And so Dion's uh, versatility and flexibility and want to was a big factor. The problem they had that year, though, man, was that on the other side, Kevin Smith had more pass interference calls uh, than yes. any player yes. in the NFL. If I'm he not got mistaken. a bad reputation by the officials of, of being way too grabby. Yeah, let me tell you something. Before he hurt his Achilles in '95, that guy was uh, headed to start. Yes, he was. I think. Yep. But uh, this is an interesting choice. I, I got to give you high, high grades for uniqueness. And what I love about it, Marcus, is you didn't go with the, the fantasy stats laden argument. Thank you. Yes. Well, the thing with the, the 98 season, I would say on a game by game basis, I think he was better. But missing five games that season is really the only reason I didn't pick the 98 season. Uh, I just think 96, how valuable he was on both sides of the ball, is the reason why I put that one at number three. All right, Elliot, give me your number three. I think my number three probably should be higher, uh, but in, in all fairness. But to me, this was one of the best seasons a running back could ever have. Uh, it's Emmett Smith's 1993 season uh, when he won MVP. <clears throat> now, I know that he gained more yards in 92. He gained more yards in 95. Uh, he gained more yards in 91, and he was only two yards short in 94. Mm-hmm. His 93 total was 1486. But here's the deal. He missed the first two games with a holdout. The third week of the season, they play against the then Phoenix Cardinals. And are you old enough to remember when uh, they were I called the yes, Phoenix barely. Cardinals? Yes, barely. Good, good deal. Uh, so <clears throat> he goes to the Cardinals or plays against the Cardinals. He only plays in the second half. The Cowboys started a guy named Derek Lassick mm. in his place. They went 0-2. They got blown out by the Redskins. They lost to Buffalo. Emmett Smith rejoins the team in week three. And down the stretch, they go 12-2. and And bear in mind, one of those losses was the Leon Lett smothering the ball on Thanksgiving game, mm-hmm. which really should have been a win. So you could make the argument the Cowboys would have been 13 and one with him at week 18. They played 18 weeks that year. Emmett against the Giants. You know the story, Marcus dislocates his shoulder, still gains over 200 yards from scrimmage. Most of them after he dislocated his shoulder. That game was a win it all for the one seed. Then he goes through the playoffs, the 93 playoffs. The Cowboys win all three games. He rushes for 280 yards and three touchdowns in three games. So that's 93 game. He also has 138 yards receiving in those three mm-hmm. games with another touchdown. So, dude, 418 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns, and he won the league MVP as a running back. Can you do better than that as a running back? Yes, and we're going to get to it in a little bit. Um, but okay. but uh, you were right on that Emmett Smith season. That one was really good, especially the final five games of that year. I mean, he was just on an absolute tear. Uh, last five games of the season, 830 total yards, averaged just under six yards per carry, uh, and that is absolutely insane. So I think if you're not looking just 
just at stat wise and the way that he it was playing, uh, you know, non fantasy wise. I think that was probably the best we've seen Emmett, but I don't think that was his best individual season. I think we'll we'll actually talk about that one in a little bit. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKED ON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's go to number two, uh, Elliot, and I've got a, a another good one. Des Bryant's 2014 season. I knew it. it well, I'm listen, surprised this isn't number one. The, the, for you. This is well, I mean, you can make a really good case. So, Des Bryant's 2014 season, I will still say, is one of the best overall receiver seasons we've seen ever in the NFL. Uh, played all 16 games, caught just 88 passes. I know we're used to seeing guys catch 110, 120 passes now. 1,300 yards, average 15 yards per reception, and 16 touchdowns. He was by far the best red zone option I've ever seen that season. If you were throwing the ball to him inside the 10-yard line, it was either a touchdown or a penalty. He averaged almost 10 yards per target that season. I just feel like in an offense that didn't throw the ball a ton, only 136 total targets, that was the most dominant receiving season I've seen in a long time. Uh, Do you agree? Am I too high on Des Bryant's 2014 season? Well, I think you're too high, but I will say this about it. I, I, I think what you're really getting to at the heart of the matter here is bang for the buck. Mm. And I think it was the year before Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck's first year had like 200 targets. Yes. Yeah. You know, when, when you're talking about 136 targets, okay, let's say that, you know, first of all, they're throwing to Dez down the field. These aren't Danny Amendola five yard slants and none yard outs. Mm-hmm. So your completion percentage on throws to Dez should really only be around the low sixties because they're down the field throws. Well, on 136 targets, when you start talking about low sixties, you're talking about a guy that would maybe catch 80 balls. So the fact that he caught 88 is a good sign. Wasn't that what you said? It was 88, 88 catches. Passes. Yep. 65% okay. of his, uh, his uh, targets he caught, right. he caught over 80% of his catchable targets. So, Right. That's a very good completion percentage when your receiver is averaging over 15 yards of catch. Mm-hmm. Then you throw in the red zone. And here's the thing with that. In 2012, Calvin Johnson had uh, 1,900 yards, Marcus, mm-hmm. but I think he had five touchdowns. Correct. Uh, Julio Jones had a huge year a couple of years ago, and he only had a couple of touchdowns. Uh, I remember that year. In fact, one of his better games, I think that year was against Detroit. He had a couple good red zone scores, but that's the game that Calvin Johnson uh, went nuts yes. yep. on the Cowboys. Uh, or, or was that the year before? I, I get no, no, mixed that was, up. That was the year that he had a monster game, 300 yards. Remember that was when Rob Ryan said he'd ta- that the Cowboys had two receivers. He'd take over Calvin Johnson. <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Rob Ryan. We could. Are we go. Are we going to do top ten coordinators in Cowboys history next? You say he's um, not number one. No, no, <laughs> he's not. Uh, but I, again, I, I like the uniqueness of your pick. You didn't go with low hanging fruit. It's 
Well, you're not going to like this because I'm going to go way, way back. But to me, the, the second best Cowboys individual season of all time is Bob Hayes, 1966. Okay, I can get behind this. This is fine. This is uh, his second NFL season. So <clears throat> Bob Hayes was, for people that don't know, was an Olympic champion. They still say his final uh, leg of one of the relays in Tokyo is the fastest recorded time ever, faster than Usain Bolt, faster than than uh, Carl Lewis. Uh, those guys are legends mm-hmm. in track and field. Bob Hayes, though, as Charlie Waters, the famous Cowboys safety, put it, was not a track guy. He was a football player that ran track. And uh, Bob Hayes was, you know, this is when the NFL was first trying to get real speed in their game. So in 65, as a rookie, he's got 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns, 21 yards a catch. And that's when you could get bumped all the way down the field. Mm -hmm. So his second year, Marcus, he's not sneaking up on anybody, right? He gets 64 catches, 1,232 yards in 14 games, 19.3 yards a catch, 13 touchdowns. Uh, First of all, those stats, if I said, hey, C.D. Lamb is going to give the Cowboys 64 catches for 1,232 yards and 13 touchdowns in the first 14 games next year. How ecstatic would you be? Oh, of course. It'd be great. It'd be fantastic. Now, C.D. Lamb can't be touched down the field. Bob Hayes, they could chuck him all the way down the field. So that 1,200 yards is more like... 1800 yards today those 13 touchdowns would be more like 20 touchdowns today uh, the other key ingredient here that you didn't really talk about with des but i kind of assumed it you know des was a huge part of that 2014 cowboys season mm-hmm. where they had such a great team yes they were a running team with offensive line but th- that offense doesn't go without the threat of des especially scoring and not relying on dan bailey field goals all the time <clears throat> but just like that Bob Hayes was huge to the Cowboys' development. In 1966, they went 10-3-1. and It was their first winning season ever. And Bob Hayes was a huge part of it. They scored 31.8 points per game, man. Yeah. I mean, this was a big-time, big-time offense. <clears throat> and last point on this. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. The NFL changed because of it. After 1965 going for 1,000, and then he, in the middle of 66, he's blowing away defensive backs. They had to start implementing zone defenses. And that's why you saw passing numbers plummet in the 1970s, because now everyone was playing zone part of the time. Offenses weren't quite uh, ready to, to beat those defenses. The reason they did that was because of Bob Hayes. Before that, the NFL was almost all man to man. So that's my All second right. greatest season. And that's that's a great season. Uh, my only problem with that one is, are we sure that it was his best season? Because I think Bob Hayes is worth mentioning in the top three. But why isn't, why isn't the 1970 season ranked higher, right? He started nine games that season, had just mm-hmm. under 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. Average 26.1 yards per reception that year, Elliot. I mean, that is absolutely insane. Now, I know the, the production was a little sporadic. There was a couple games where he just wasn't involved at all. But on a game-to-game basis, I mean, that that is an incredible season. So what's the argument for 66 versus 70? 
Well, in 70, yeah, he only started nine games. He did play more. I, I can't remember if that was the year he had a hamstring. The problem with 1970, what really for the Cowboys, was uh, they got off to such a sluggish start. And it wasn't as good a team season. And so that's why one of the reasons that I went with the 66 season, because in terms of Cowboys history, 1966 can't be understated. You have to realize that Tom Landry, everyone in the league thought he was going to be fired uh, after, I believe, the 64 season. The Cowboys had a very rough start to their beginning. And so to me, a lot of it has to do with team success, but also to your point, uh, you know, about Deion Sanders and you didn't you, you didn't pick one season because he only played 11 games. Mm-hmm. Bob Hayes was not able to contribute the entire season. Fair. So to me, that made a difference. Yeah, and that's fair. I think I think those are both really good seasons, but you're getting 14 games of Bob Hayes versus really nine in 1970. It's awfully hard to to ignore that 1966 season. All right, we've come to the conclusion. Number one for each of us, uh, I will go first. I, I kind of already hinted at it at the beginning of the show. Emmett Smith's season in 1995 is what does it for me. 2,100 total yards that season, 25 touchdowns. Uh, obviously, he was an all-pro. Uh, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl that season. I think it was his best overall season. Uh, averaged 111 rushing yards per game that year an absolute superstar at the very peak of his powers Um, we've only seen a couple other seasons in the history of the NFL that rival that one Uh, I think Emmett averaging 4.7 yards per carry that year uh, again at the peak of his powers why do you like the 92 excuse me the 93 season better than the 95 season for Emmett well, a couple reasons. First of all, you mentioned the yards per carry. 1993 averaged 5.3. He did. He was more and efficient. And led yes. the NFL. And you're only talking about four yards less per game. Yes, he scored more touchdowns in 95. He only scored He only scored 10 in 93. But see, that was his low touchdown. So, so here's what contributes to the lower yards per carry is, and you know this, how many of those carries were at the one yard line, right? Where you, I mean, yes. you can, you're can you getting the touchdown, but you're only getting one yard on the run. Yes, I agree. I, you know, you had me at hello. I hate to quote <laughs> Renee Zellweger here, but you, you did. There's a little bit of an issue though, to me, this, this is tough. You know, the, the 93 season, the Cowboys offense struggled without Emmett. They struggled early on. 95, they were really rolling. But at the end of the year in 95, the Cowboys really, really struggled. They lost to the Redskins. I remember that. Uh, they lost to Philadelphia in the load left game where Emmett was stopped on fourth and one. The two-minute warning sounded. They stopped him again. They barely beat the Giants. Uh, you know, and then against Pittsburgh, there are a lot of people that thought the Steelers could have won that Super Bowl. I feel like the 93 team with Emmett being the MVP of the Super Bowl was hitting its crescendo. I mean, the Cowboys dominated the 49ers in the NFC championship and Emmett was a huge part of this. So for me, I, I, you know, when the stakes got higher in 93, Emmett got better and better. I mean, the Giants game is one of the greatest individual efforts in NFL history. I don't know that any Cowboy fan can think of a game in 95 and say, oh, man, I remember Emmett dominated that game. 
Uh, I mean, I can I can think of the game against the Giants where they won thirty five to zero, and I think he scored four touchdowns in. You remember that one? Okay, the the opener. He took that first run to the house, but that man, that was great. All right, so that's one of the best blocked plays so I've ever seen. Here's my but, thing about that. Okay, okay, here's my thing about that '95 season, though, Elliot. Hmm? I, he had one game all season long where he didn't have at least 80 total yards, and he had, I believe, it was 11 of the 16 games he played. He rushed for at least 100 yards. So you know every single game what you are getting from Emmett Smith. And in the games where he didn't get 100 yards, like the game against the Chargers, he had, you know, 80 total yards and two touchdowns. So he was just incredibly consistent game in and game out. Four games of at least 150 rushing yards. Uh, Again, the most that he had was against Atlanta in week nine, 167 yards and a touchdown. Also added in 30 yards in the passing game. I just think from game in and game out, you are getting an absolute superstar for an entire 16-game schedule, and that's why it's number one for me. And then when you factor in the playoffs, I mean, again, really, really good in the playoffs. Against the Eagles, 100 uh, rushing yards and 40 receiving yards. Against the Packers, 35 carries for 150 yards and three touchdowns. And then the Super Bowl didn't have a particularly great rushing day, still scored two touchdowns. So the combination of six touchdowns in the regular in the in the playoffs combined with twenty-five in the regular season, a thirty touchdown season, that's that's awfully impressive. Yeah, I, I just want to throw out a couple things here. Uh, you know, ninety-five he averaged four point nine yards per touch. Uh, in in ninety-three, I think it was five point six. And also in 95, he did catch 79% of his passes, 88% in 93. I mean, he was playing at such a high level in 93, but you do have to juxtapose that. And I don't want to use a big fancy word with you here, uh, but with availability, yeah, which is to your point, you know, he missed the first two games. They lost those two games. Uh, it, it's it's splitting hairs. And it you know is, what? Someone is. else, honestly, Marcus, could say, hey, what about 92? He ran for over 1,700 yards, was awesome mm-hmm. in the playoffs, and helped the Cowboys establish a dominant franchise. So I wouldn't be mad at you if you picked 92. Now, all right, really quickly before we move on to your number one. No problem. What about the people that are saying DeMarco Murray's 2014 season where he had 2,200 total yards? He didn't have the same touchdown production, just 13 in that season, but the total yardage was better. The yards per touch were better. Uh, What would you say to those people? Well, I think, you know, it's funny. Emmett has always been criticized a little bit because he had a great offensive line. I know where this is going. <laughs> and the reality is Emmett had a great offensive line from 1991 to 1995. By 96, they were banged up. Ray Donaldson got hurt. Mm-hmm. They were all banged up. Eric Williams wasn't the same player. I mean, Nate Newton told me himself, he, he said, you know, you know why we weren't as good in 96? He, and I said, what? He goes, because we were older. We we're all getting old. You know, uh, people don't realize that Nate Newton was, you know, uh, cut by the Redskins way back in 1986. Mm-hmm. You know, the, a lot of these players were older. Mark Tuanay was a draft pick in 1983. So my point being with DeMarco Murray, the level of play of that offensive line in 2014 is actually the way everyone remembers Emmett's career, but it's sure. really DeMarco, sure. uh, in, in my opinion, also – I don't remember the Cowboys consistently closing out games with DeMarco Murray. 
what I remember is actually Romo doing it sometimes and Murray. I actually remember Marion Barber closing out more sure. games. If you're talking sure. about, you because know, you, with Emmett, one of your points was, hey, how is your yards per carry affected when you're getting all those runs from the one yard line? Same thing with closing out games, right? If you're getting all your carries in the fourth quarter, try, when everyone knows you're trying to run the ball, it's gonna hurt your stats. That's why I always tell people, hey, don't look at John Riggins yards per carry. Okay, so, and then the fumbles, Marcus. Mm. The fumble, the Julius Peppers strip in the third quarter of the yeah, that one's game, that one's hard to ignore. It really is. It was the game because he was going to go to the house. The Cowboys were going to be up 10 with, and you'd say, well, up 10 in the third quarter against Green Bay means nothing. Not when you're playing a team that doesn't give you the ball back. Right, right. You know, how many more possessions was Aaron Rodgers going to get? Three? At most, yeah, so, probably. Yeah, right. So, because yep. I think that play came in mid to late third quarter, the DeMarco Murray, the, the, the fumble. Uh, but you know what? I don't want to take anything away from DeMarco Murray either. Because he he had some really great games for the Cowboys. Sure, really. All right, games. let me let me ask you this: rank sure. these from three to one. 2016 Zeke, 2014 Demarco Murray, 1992 Emmett. I, I mean, obviously, I think you put Emmett at number one. Which yeah. which season was better, the Zeke rookie year or that Demarco season? You know, oh, they're close. God. I I feel like. Go ahead. I, I want to hear what you I say. I feel like Zeke one. was a little bit better that year. He didn't have the, the benefit of playing with Tony Romo and somebody who could really change all the plays and all that kind of stuff. I feel like he was more explosive than what uh, than what DeMarco was. Because remember, after that 2014 season, a lot of people were excited for Joseph Randall because they thought, and this is the quote that I remember from that offseason, that Murray left a lot of meat on the bone, right? And they were excited to get somebody with some home run speed. So I think the offensive line was better in 2014, and Zeke was a better player in 2016. I I think that's fair, but don't discount something. When you have Dak in the in the backfield and he's a rookie and you have to worry about read option plays, you know, that first year Dak was not running the offense. Correct. He Correct. was getting the play call and he was running the play. And Dak's not a big runner, but when you played Dak as a rookie, you still had to play 11 on 11, Marcus. Mm-hmm. You weren't playing Joe Flacco who's just going to fake a handoff and you don't have to worry about him keeping no, it. No, we have seen this over the history of the NFL, right? With like Vince Young and Chris Johnson or Michael Vick and... Alfred Morris yeah. with RG3. Right. Michael Vick and Wark Dunn. So th- this is a very common thing in the NFL. So I think, I think you're right there. I think with Romo, no one by 2014, no one's worried about Romo's scrambling ability. I mean, Romo, I always say this, he had the agility of like a 55-year-old racquetball player. You know, he could escape in the little area, but, you know, he wasn't a runner. Right. When he was leaning back to hand off, and by the way, those little fake pass handoffs that he did never worked. No, they looked no. cool. Tony, great job. They looked really cool. Good effort. They, they, didn't pull, uh, they didn't pull any Just wanted to take one more quick break to tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors and a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. And best of all, 
They taste fantastic. I literally eat one every single day. Uh, my favorite right now is coconut brownie, but the toffee almond, pretty close. So uh, make sure you guys are checking that out. They're also releasing six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, which I just tried and absolutely loved, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. All right, go ahead, Elliot. Give us your number one. Who had the best individual season in Dallas Cowboys history? Yeah, and I kind of lamed out on you. I kind of I went with a tie there for Murray and Elliot. That's all right. Behind, uh, right down the middle. Behind, yes, I would take Emmett's 92 season uh, ahead of both of them. Correct. I would. All right. Um, I know you don't agree. It's all right. It's whatever. Hey, just a little trivia before we get to my number <laughs> one. See if you can get this. 92, when Emmett led the NFL in rushing, that first – well, his first big year was 91, but 92, when he had 1,700 yards, they pulled him in the last game of the year against the Bears because he'd already won the rushing title and they were up four scores on Chicago. Do you remember who came in at running back for the Cowboys, fumbled twice, and Jimmy Johnson cut him on Monday? Uh, what? This is tough. Hold on, I'm going to think. Went, went to college locally to where you are, Pitt. Pitt's not that far from you, is it? No, it's not too hard. No, 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 hold on. I'm gonna, I'll figure this out. In 1992, right? 1992, he was Emmett's backup. He comes in against the Bears. The Cowboys are up I got four it. scores. I got it. Kervin yeah. Richards. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> uh, oh, I know somebody listening out there got it immediately. Yeah, I think it went, like, went on to play with the Lions, I remember, for a, a, just a tiny, tiny bit. But, yeah, he, Kerf, yeah. Kervin Richards. The Cowboys cut him. And, uh, oh, man. Uh, I'll never forget yeah. that, dude. All right, give us your number one. Okay. Uh, so, Luke, by the way, I, I like, once again, I, I like your explanations. I think they're – I think they're smart, uh, you know, with Emmett 95, I'm not going to be able to compete with Emmett's 1995 season statistics here. What I'm going to ask you instead is as an NFL player, what's the perfect season, Marcus? Like what, like, like, like if we go through it, right. Uh, you want to be a pro bowler mm-hmm. individually, right. Um, maybe not now as much, but back when it meant something. Yep. Okay. I feel like all pro matters more now. Sure. First team, all pro matters. If there's multiple agencies like sporting news used to be UPI, Mm -hmm. there's AP. If they all pick you as a first team, all pro, that's pretty important. Sure. Okay. Team success, right? You want to contribute to your team winning and how much do they win? And how big a part of them winning? Do they drag you along with them? Are you the reason they won? That's a huge thing. And then on top of that, really the only thing else that's left is the major, major awards, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you're, you know, uh, we mentioned MVP earlier, or if you're Aaron Donald and you've got a, you know, a couple defensive player of the year awards, uh, JJ Watt, who's going to switch teams, right? He's got three of them. The number one season in Cowboys history, and this has never been like one of my favorite players or anything. It's not a bias of any kind. To me, is hands down Harvey Martin, 1977. Okay, there you go. That's the hot take I was looking for. Uh, it To me, it's really, really hard to argue it. I, I tried. like I Because I have some others that I can give you that are kind of my discard pile for the top three. But 1977, Harvey Martin, the Cowboys recorded him having 23 sacks yes. in 14 yes. games. 
Now, there is a pro football researchers organization that goes back and they research the play-by-play -play charts. They found out that some of those were half sacks. So Harvey only had 20 okay. <laughs> in 14 games. Still very okay? impressive. Yes. He had over 60 tackles, which, again, in 14 games for a pass rushing defensive end, that shows that you're stopping the run. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, three sacks in the postseason, including two in the Super Bowl where he was named co-MVP. Okay. So people went nuts when DeMarcus Ware had 20 sacks. Okay, here's Harvey Martin having 20 sacks. Harvey Martin was a pro bowler. Every outlet had him as a first-team All-Pro. He was the only Cowboys player ever to be named Defensive Player of the Year, mm -hmm. ever. Yes. Uh, and he was named Defensive Player of the Year by multiple outlets that year. It was a foregone conclusion. And he's MVP of the Super Bowl. Dude. How hard is it for a defensive end to not only win defensive player of the year on a team that has Roger Staubach, Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson, Rand you're not exactly the first guy getting noticed, right? You get not only defensive player of the year, but Super Bowl MVP. Uh, I, I don't know what more, what more can a player do in a season? What more? Yeah, so there's only, I, and again, I, this is off the top of my brain, but there's only a couple guys that have won the Defensive Player of the Year and won the Super Bowl in the same season, right? I think James Harrison did it in 2008. Yeah, Lawrence Lawrence, Taylor in 86. Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor in 86. Is there any other ones that I'm missing? Uh, yeah, I think in the mid-70s, one of the Steelers won it when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Lambert won it one year. Mean Joe Green won it one year. But you're talking about now like... Tra now you're testing. Yeah, but I'm saying you're talking about like transcendent defensive guys. So you, you, these, yeah. this isn't like a flu. I'm looking this up now. I mean, I gotta look this up now because <laughs> that's a great, great question. Right. It's now, not. It's it. It goes to your Emmett point. Remember when Emmett was the first guy to win the rushing title and win the Super Bowl? Right. Right. So it, it to win the defensive player of the year and to win the Super Bowl is rare, but then to also be so good in the Super Bowl that you're named the co MVP. That is quite the season. And again, I, I, that's, this is a fantastic one. And this is why I'm, I was so glad to have you on the show, because you're going to bring up some differing viewpoints. So Harvey Martin, uh, 1974, that's a, that's a fantastic, excuse me, 77. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty fantastic season. Any other ones you want to mention, uh, Elliot, before we go that were in your consideration? Yeah, so a couple that I had, I'm going to go ahead and go with another defensive lineman. This was like seventh on my list. Randy White, 1978, mm. had 16 sacks and I think darn near 100 tackles. Uh, he was first team all pro. He was a converted linebacker. It was only his second year playing defensive tackle. And he was named NFC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, they did uh, conference awards back then. Some of the outlets did. Mm -hmm. So he was the NFC Defensive Player of the Year. Randy Gratishar of Denver was the AFC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, 16 sacks, Marcus, from an interior defensive lineman in an era where you don't throw the ball that much right. is really impressive. Uh, and the Cowboys made it to the Super Bowl. That year they lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, my My – other tough ones that were really hard to cut out. Tony Romo, 2014. Yeah, I wanted to put uh, that one on there. Yep. Oh, played out of his mind. Yep. He, he played out of his mind. I think I had that as number five on my list. Uh, you know, 
the efficiency with what he played with. And in the game that I always remember from that season is the Seattle game, yeah. the third and what was it, twenty? The third and twenty-two, I think, is what it was. To to Terrence Williams, yep. the throw he made to Dez. The, you know, everyone always talks about did Dez catch it? Did Dez not catch it? How about the throw? Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was, it was perfect. Can, uh, can I give you, you one more? Against the Lions? I, yeah, go ahead. I, and the only reason I didn't put this guy on here is just because of a lack of attempts. I, I, Roger Staubach's uh, 1971 season was... Yes, that was on my list, too. Because you look... I mean, he only threw the ball 211 times that season, uh, but started 10 games. Cowboys won all of them. He led the NFL in passer rating by quite a significant margin he had a passer rating of 105 uh the next closest was bob greasy at 91 he led the nfl in yards per attempt at 8.9 adjusted yards per attempt at 9.5 uh he he was just really really good but the only reason i couldn't include him in the top uh three was just because of the sheer volume yeah well a couple things on that so more on that stallback season. That's the highest passer rating in a season of the 1970s. Yes. Yep. 104.8, I think, is the actual number, if I remember right. His yards for carry that year was 8.6, I think. <laughs> 8.6. Not yards per attempt. Yards per carry was 8.6. Yards per carry. But you got to understand, in the 70s, coaches did not want their quarterbacks no. to run. No. And Roger was so effective at it. Part of the reason for the diminished attempts, Marcus, is the first seven games of that year, Tom Landry had the idea, this is the biggest mistake of his career, to rotate quarterbacks play by play. Yep. And so Roger barely, you know, he played half the time. But once he got into the starting lineup, I don't think he lost. In fact, I think he went undefeated that year as a starter. Think about that. Undefeated as a starter in his first full season as a starter. Like I said, the highest highest passer rating of the 70s. But uh, that is uh – that's, that's a good one. Do you have any more deep pulls? No, I think that was the only other one that I felt like I needed to mention. Uh, it, that He was just so good that season. But, Elliot, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're going to have to have you on again. Uh, will you promise to come on at a different time? Yeah, All right, awesome. Sure. We'll uh, we'll make sure we grab Elliot again. Uh, you guys can download and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.